0: Plus the podcast from Commercial Integrator I'm Adam Forziati, web editor for CI If you've been paying attention to our podcast feed You've no doubt seen episode 39 That's a look inside our yearly state of the industry report And here's the thing about that That report has so much valuable information in it But there's quite a lot of it there's surely a lot more than a single episode can unravel. So for the next few weeks, aV plus, so for the next few weeks, A B plus is going to chronicle the most important information you should know about running an AV business in 2019. This week, we'll hear an interview that deconstructs how to gain more business value even under threat of a possible recession at the end of the new year. A few things are clear. You should not be devaluing yourself by racing to the bottom of cost estimates. And you really shouldn't let your sales team go uneducated about selling the value of a service contract. We'll get to that interview with our editor, Tom LeBlanc, and NSCA's Chuck Wilson. But first, a little housekeeping. You can learn more about AV Plus online at commercialintegrator.com slash podcast and on Twitter by searching the hashtag Plus Pod. We'd appreciate it so much. Also, if you could take a moment to hit subscribe and rate us on iTunes, it does help us reach more AV pros trying to find quality podcasts. Okay, back to the show.
1: The revenue numbers are positive. A lot of companies are showing growth. And one of the things that you've mentioned in the past, in the recent past, is that what concerns you is that you know there may be an underlying profitability challenge that might be kind of hidden because those revenue numbers are are positive. Did you see findings in this survey that, you know, made you concerned about the profitability problem for the industry?
2: You know, I'm always concerned with that as we, you know, especially when, when these low cost solutions become just good enough, there's the, in a low cost solution, there's typically low profit that that goes along with that. Right. And so w- what I look for is, is there a trend that's emerging that enhances the profit? So we know, we know at the end of the day that the profit is the, you know, it's the fuel or the oxygen that a company needs for reinvestment and retraining and hiring the right people and being able to, you know, to talk IT talk with these new key influencers and buyers and stuff like that. We we have to have profitability. So what we work on is what are the means to do that? What's the way to get to profitability? And the you know, the the one thing is is to to not devalue ourselves, not to go into a project with the mentality that we're going to win it based on low price—that race to the bottom thing—we're trying to, we're trying to get people to think differently about that. To know what their true cost of doing business is and everything. So, so we've got that. You know, we got to we got to think about how do we remain profitable while pivoting. So when we look at um, You know the movement towards a hosted environment, or the movement towards a an IT-enabled, you know, environment that we work in today. We got to think about how are we shifting our business, how are we um, transforming our business model in some cases, while maintaining profitability on each and every project. So the best, the best way to win at the end of the year, by the way on a project centric company is to not have a bad project along the way. So, so proper job costing, correct bidding methods, having visibility into your schedule. So you're not paying overtime on, you know, and not having priced that into a job. There's a whole bunch of things that we're doing to try to keep people focused more on profits and less on top line and the number of employees that they have. So for example, we know, you know, the healthiest companies, what their revenue per employee is. We know what their revenue per salesperson is. We know what their return on invested capital is. And that's a big thing right now. So as the, um, you know, private equity firms are looking at our our industry, and, and many of them are looking at it hard now, is they're seeing that our uh, return on that asset or return on the investment that they're making is pretty it's pretty attractive compared to other industries. So as we continue to, you know, show good profits or to show that there is a possibility of making a profit, I think, I think that's what NSCA adds to this equation is to helping our member companies understand that, that the most important thing for that business is sustainable profits along the way, no matter which, type of system they're working on or if their business model has to shift a little bit from projects to services and stuff is doing that without disruption to the bottom line
1: and then you know there were some questions that you know kind of tap into you know that the profitability issue and you know the bottom line Um, you know we asked about typical hardware margin not markup on a on a project and Um, Well, you know, about a little bit more than a third, say, you know, their typical markup is between 21 and 30%. I thought that was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, Another third, say, between 11% and 20%. Uh, I thought it was good that, you know, about 12% of respondents say their typical markup is over 30%. Um, I, I don't know. I thought there were some encouraging numbers there in that question about typical hardware margin. What did you think?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, it's moving in the right direction. And I think, um, you know, when people go to our our website and use that simulator, what it does is it shows you the rate, the relationship between that margin and markup versus your hourly labor rate. And so whether you choose to uh, price your projects with a break even, let's say, on the on the equipment markup, which would be about the equivalent of whatever your SGNA or your overhead is and then and then make your money on the labor side of it when you put the whole project together i think that's when it's really telling and so if we can get our members to always think about at the end of their you know the proposal that they're ready to submit is do they have significant pro- profit in there in order to be that fuel for the next job and the next job and the one after that, so that they can sustain a, a very, very healthy cash flow and to have enough profit at the end of the year where they can then make a a significant investment using that profit that they had towards hiring the right people and finding the right you know clients and and doing all the things that companies need to do to grow. So so the growth is fueled from profits. Profits is fueled from having adequate uh, margin and markup on equipment, as well as the uh, the labor, and not getting not getting caught up in a bind where you you know bid a project at a low margin during your busiest time of year, where you have to bring in subs or or outsource or um, do something with overtime or whatever. So I th- I think I think our members have become and the industry as a whole has become a lot more mature in the way that we go about establishing a profit model for the companies.
1: Okay. I mean, but you mentioned labor rate and um, I'm curious if you have a comment on, you know, the results to our question about, you know, typical technician labor rate. So um, in terms of the typical labor rate being under $50 per hour, about 16% of the um, of the survey respondents say that's where they fall. About twenty-one percent say they typically charge fifty-one to seventy-five dollars an hour. More than a third say they typically charge between seventy-six and a hundred. Um, twenty twenty-eight percent, pretty close to a third, say they typically charge between one hundred and one and two hundred dollars an hour. Um, is that where you want it to be?
2: Well, it you know to me again, it all it, you know, and it's so geographic. I mean, where I live out here, it it's very rare to be over that hundred. Where you live, it'd be very rare to be under a hundred bucks, you know, because there's a there's a big variation in in what things cost, you know, labor costs and so on and so forth. But I think the big thing is is to understand what your hourly cost is for each individual person, and and again, when if you look at you know, an installer, a junior technician, a senior technician, a project manager, everybody has an identifiable cost. Everybody has a burdened up rate that you attach to that. What we know it pretty much is that somewhere between 2.5x and 3x of that burdened up labor cost is what most members would sell their labor for. Based on that eighty-five percent utilization target that we look for, so I think I think the important thing is is how do they get to that seventy-five to one hundred or one hundred to one hundred twenty or whatever they whatever the the numbers are there, and then what is the relationship between what you sell your labor for and what that margin or markup that you can command on equipment? We have we have some members that um, I was just at a place last week where they made a decision. To not sell display devices anymore, that they're going to direct their clients to, you know, whatever website they can find them on, and that they were going to provide labor in those scenarios where the equipment was furnished by the client. Their labor rate just went from one twenty-two or something to one sixty-something for those type of projects, because at the end of the day, they they net out, and then their cash flow isn't um, impaired by by having to just trade dollars with a customer to get the the equipment furnished. So it becomes their their issue. So there's there's a million different ways to slice that up. But I think at the end of the day, having your eye on the profitability of what each and every opportunity brings to your company and then what is the back end revenue that you can get from managed services, those are the those are the smarter decisions that I see our industry now starting to make.
1: Um, And then you know Chuck, the the final conversation I wanted to have with you is about, you know, the AV industries recruiting challenges, which we've talked about, yeah. you know, pretty consistently for the past few years. Um, right now, you know, when we ask the question about how many positions companies are looking to fill, the, the industry is hiring. The typical,